The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to jamieappsmedia.com. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, the ultimate weekly entertainment recap and review show. My name is Jamie Apps, and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of co-hosts to run you through the entertainment media we've consumed during the week. Along the way, we'll provide you with insightful commentary and reviews. This week I'm joined by a teacher who lists their favourite movie as the entire Harry Potter series and favourite TV show as Parks and Rec. Welcome to the show, Leah Poulton. Hey, how are you going? Not too bad. How is life now that you can actually get out and do things? Oh, it's so good. I've been like really struggling. I'm such a social person. So to have to stay home, I've been like struggling. So I went out last night with a couple of friends and had some wine. So it was really good. What about you? Yeah, not too bad. I haven't done much this week anyway. So yeah. How's um teaching and the kids and everything now? Oh, it's different. Yeah, it's definitely different. So um, the government's saying that we can you know, have these kids in a room and they're not going to infect us. So it's a bit stressful, but we've got 10 kids in a room at the moment and they're just doing online learning. So it's kind of like babysitting really when you think about it. Yes, very, very different to normal. Yeah, and then doing teaching online at the same time. So I've got to plan on my lessons while supervising kids doing their lessons in other subjects. So it's a bit hard, but it is what it is. It's nice to have them back. Are you at school every day? I'm back four days a week and I'm working from home on Wednesday but the kids come in different stages so like we've got year 12 for two days and year 11 for another two and then everyone else is just doing one day at the moment but I think that might change not this week but the week after okay so it's sort of coming back every couple of weeks it increases yeah I think they're just evaluating the risk level and then going from there the kids have missed school, though. Like, that's the one thing I can say. They're like, oh, my God, I never thought I would say that I've missed school, but I miss it. Whoa. That's... Yeah, I know. It's a surprise. What? That's weird. I know. But, yeah, it's di- it's different. It is. But at least you can say we've lived through an um, epidemic now. Pandemic? Like we've done it. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that is going to go down in history for a while. Yeah, that's right. Like my year 12s are so sad. They're like, we don't get a graduation this and all that. I go, yeah, but you've got a memory now. They're like, thanks, miss. Cheers. <laughs> Such a teacher thing to say. Thank you. I know. Exactly. But yeah, you don't really think about that, like not having the graduation ceremony and the whole like dinner and everything. Yeah. I mean, like that's it, like their final year. I know that when I did it, it was like really special. So they've kind of had the HSC taken off them because a lot of the stuff that they can do has now been revoked. Like I teach obviously the arts, so half of their syllabus has been cut um, and that's like their bonding session, like when they're performing and stuff like that's the thing that they look forward to and now they can't do it. So to have that and then the graduation being in limbo, it's just a bit, I, I feel sorry for them, yeah. Have they worked out how the testing and everything is going to work? Like if you can only have 10 in a room. Well, I mean, they're trying, I think they're trying to infiltrate the kids like more and more. 
So um, hopefully by HSC exams, I'll be able to sit in a room because they can still social distance in an exam. Ah, uh, yeah, I suppose you spread out. So I guess it'll just be dependent. But like some kids have, you know, grandparents at home or people that are at risk, so they're not even coming to school at the moment. So I guess it's just all up in the air. Very strange times. Yes. So speaking of you doing the arts teaching stuff, I watched yeah. a movie this week that I think was would be right up your alley. Yeah. I checked out the uh, Cats movie. Right. I've heard some things about this movie. I haven't yet watched it. What did you think? Oh, I feel like I had some acid. Yeah, I heard it's really weird. Did you know, I heard that they went to cat school, the actors. As in, like, to learn how to be a cat? Be a cat, that's right. So they had to do, like, this whole thing where they learned how to think like a cat, how to act like a cat. Do you think it paid off? No. No, that was not <laughs> anything that needed to be done. Oh, yeah. Is, so how is Taylor Swift in it? She's like the one highlight in the small part that she has. Right. She's only in it for one big musical number and then that's it. She's pretty much right. only in it for about five minutes. Is James Corden in it? Yep. I heard he was in it and he was the one that was like, I even I give it a bad review. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> a musical film based on a stage musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber. And then it's got this cast of people, James Corden, Dame Judi Dench, Jason Derulo, Taylor Swift, Idris Elba, Sir Ian McKellen, Rebel Wilson, Jennifer Hudson. So it's got people in there that should have made it super successful. Yeah. But it only earned like $75 million at the box office and it cost wow. them $95 million to make. Wow. That's rough. <laughs> I put it all down to because it's like trying to follow that music, the stage musical. Yeah. They've gone for the same style, but instead of just dressing the, these actors up, they tried to CGI everything. Right. And it just, it looks Doesn't weird. Land. No. Yeah. The characters, like the faces are just like, it's just creepy. <laughs> all the proportions are off. Like there's... Parts where the cats look really big and then there's other parts where they look smaller than, like, the train track, like the rail lines. Right. And it's like, um, how, how big are these cats? Like, what, what's going on here? Yeah, it's just not gelling. Yeah, like, there's one part in a kitchen where they're as, almost as big as the bench and then the next, like, halfway through the film, they're smaller than the train track. It's like, what? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> It's just all over the place. And then Jennifer Hudson and Taylor Swift have their musical numbers. Yeah. And they're really good. Like they're obviously high-quality singers, so it pays off. But then you have people like Judy Dench and Rebel Wilson trying to sing, and it's just like um, these people aren't work. singers and it doesn't work at all. Yeah, weird. I've seen the actual musical. It's kind of a strange musical anyway, so... Like, I found it kind of weird, the original, but interesting. Rebel Wilson, how's she in it? Is she funny or? It's uh, more Rebel Wilson playing Rebel Wilson again. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she does. I I swear that's all she does. Yeah. It's pretty much every movie she's in, it's just Rebel is Rebel. She's just herself. Yeah. But 
she's successful, so good on her for finding something that seems to work. She's a smart lady too behind all that. Isn't she like a lawyer or something? I think so, yeah. Yeah. But like the dancing is seems pretty good. Like I don't know a lot about dancing, but they look like they know what they're doing. <laughs> I assume there was professional dancers doing the actual moves and then they just CGI'd the faces on. Right. Were they like big muse like dance numbers or yep. more just like the main act? Okay, cool. It's it's like fully like just goes song to song to song. There's no real In between, yeah. In between parts that you'd normally get with a musical. Right. Which again was really That's weird. That's not gonna made... land with everybody, hey. Like not no. everybody's gonna like to do that. Like sit there and watch song after song with no connection like between, yeah. It made the whole movie feel like super rushed because you were just one second you're here and then next second you were totally somewhere different in another song. Right. It's very strange. So would recommend, would not recommend. No, don't. I would not. <laughs> Definitely don't not. Don't waste two hours of your life on that one. Okay, you can't get those two hours back, eh? No. <laughs> Have you checked out anything this week? Oh, yeah. I mean, my podcast that I listen to is like the best, My Favourite Murder. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I've never listened to any episodes. Oh, it's amazing. So they're up to their 222nd episode. Jeez. Um, it's Karen. Yeah, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. They're, well, Karen's a stand-up comedian and writer, and Georgia came from cooking. But basically, they're these two women who uh, process all the bad things that can go on in life because I'm a true crime. Like, I love it. That's my thing. But for me, true crime is can get really dark and depressing. But these women bring humour while telling out murder stories. So it's really, like, easy to listen to. And it's like just sitting in the car with your best friend because I drive two hours a day. So whenever I can hear them um, talk about stuff, it's just really cool. So they've come up with an episode, like, every Friday and Tuesday. And my favourite episode, do you want to hear about it? Yep. Yep. It's um, number 18. It's an I Survive story. So this girl, Mary Vincent, was hitchhiking, which um, she was driving down the road and she had this guy pick her up. Anyway, long story short, he cut off both of her arms with a hatchet. What? Threw her off a cliff. Yeah, just wait because she does survive. This woman, she's so amazing. She, like, cauterized her arm stumps in the dirt that she got thrown off climbed up the cliff and got picked up by someone else taken to a hospital and she um, gave testimony and he got convicted the guy that did it to her what how did she survive that i have no idea and you know what's the worst part she like walked down this highway for ages and ages this couple came past saw her freaked out drove off so already someone like didn't stop as you would freak out seeing someone with no arms covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like a nightmare. Uh, and this married couple, they just got married. They were on their honeymoon. They drove down next and found her. That's wild. It's amazing. And I assume the whole time she was walking, she'd have been like so panicked about this guy coming back too. Exactly. I know. It's just incredible. This woman, like she just survived the worst of the worst. I guess having that, like the comedian on that really brings that light-hearted side to really bad stories like that. Well, that's what they're saying. They're like, you know, 
murder and humor don't go together. We like understand that, but sometimes processing like the worst things by making jokes with your friends and having those conversations, it just makes it a little bit easier. And, um, they're cool women. Like they have self care, like self, um, self help tips. And they're just like genuine, lovely people. I mean, their true crime podcast is not hundred percent all factual. So if you're going there for like factual, I need all the details. That's not what they're about. They're just there to like tell a story with a friend. So, but they're just funny and yeah, really cool. Is like every episode a different case or do they have some where cases span more than one episode? So they have the episodes that come out on Friday, their formats, like basically a lot of talking for like 30 minutes about just their life in general. Um, so you're kind of like, hold on, this is not what I'm here for, but they're just so funny. And then they each tell a story. So it's like their favorite murder or their favorite story from the week. And then on Tuesdays, I have like listener episodes. Oh man, some of those are funny, but highly inappropriate. They've had episodes of like finding razor blades in walls and Another guy who's called the Swiss cheese pervert. I don't know if you might want to check that out, but I won't give you the full details. Very interesting. <laughs> Sounds really weird. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Strange people out in the world. So they talk about all those strange people and I love it because I'm like, I love true crime, but for me, sometimes it can just get too much. So they're like my break. You know what I mean? Like they, I can still listen to it, but I don't need to get into the, the horrible Yes. You've been known to freak yourself out on true crime and lock yourself at home, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I have. I've slept with a fan before. I've had to go over to a friend's house in the middle of the night because I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like someone's in my apartment. So I love it, but it's also, like, detrimental sometimes. Uh, you fool. Yeah. <laughs> in that case, I wouldn't uh, – I liked this show, but I probably wouldn't suggest it for you then. Okay. I watched The Outsider this week. Right. Is this Stephen King? Yeah, it's the yeah crime slash horror drama series based on his book, The Outsider. Right. It starts off with a teacher being arrested for the rape and murder of an 11-year-old boy. Okay. But it's later discovered that the teacher was in two places at the exact same time based on eyewitnesses, DNA, and video evidence. How? Yeah, so there, that's that's where it gets like really like. Hang on, how's that happen? Right. And from there, the investigation goes on to discover like how that could happen, and it leads them down this supernatural path to find this entity that they call the Cuckoo. Okay. That can like shape shift and coerce people into doing terrible things, like murdering kids or murdering friends and stuff and it feeds off the misery of those victims right feeds off the sadness that comes from that person's pain in that moment but then it also because it's like kids that then that kind of echoes out and leads to like parents killing themselves so then it gets more energy off those wow that sounds heavy yeah so it's like it's a pretty heavy show, like really good performances, and it's like pretty dark, but it's also, it's got that crime investigation bit at the start, and it's not until like yeah. the last four or five episodes where it gets really like horror. Right. Is it jump scary? Mm, I think there's like a couple of moments, but it's mainly like there's some pretty gory moments as well. Right. The first episode they show you like, the little boy's body which is pretty oh. messed up and then yeah 
people get shot and like parts of their head explode and stuff. Oh, nice. <laughs> so not recommended for me, but a good show. Yeah, awesome show. Um, probably you'd yeah. probably freak out a bit too much there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Have you um seen How to Fix a Drug Scandal? I literally started that this afternoon before we jumped on. Oh, really? What did you think? The first episode was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, like, I binged it. I binged it so hard. It was really interesting. Like, that job that she did. So the show's obviously about two drug analysts who work in a lab who test drugs that police get off the streets. So, like, their whole job is to test the drugs for the potency so that then the like the lawyers can then charge the person who the drugs came off. But anyway, it goes, follows like Sonia Farrick and Annie Dukin. And Sonia Farrick is an actual drug addict and she's testing drugs in criminal cases whilst also intoxicated and using the drugs that she's finding or being given to test. It's just like this really complex web. But she like works in an office where there's nobody else there to like monitor her. Yeah, that's the episode I just watched. And it's like, how is that? How how does that happen? Like, no wonder it was so easy for her to do what she did. That's what I mean. Like, if, if and you know what? Like, she's a drug addict. Like, okay, but like for her to get away with it for so long. So I saw that she actually had over twenty thousand defendants that were in legal limpo uh, because of her faulty drug tests. Twenty thousand. She was doing it for years and years and years. Yeah, I think it was what two thousand and. Before she started at the lab and it wasn't until I think they said 2008 or something where they finally noticed something wrong yeah she was cooking drugs in her lab does it get that bad yeah oh my god she ended up testing like so they had like so what they have to do is they have the pure drugs like in their lab that they have to test against the ones that come in from the police officers so she was taking the pure stuff, like drinking it. Yeah. Whilst on the job. No wonder she got addicted. Like she started with just one drop of methamphetamine and it's like. Yeah, it got heaps heck. Pure meth. So no wonder she was instantly hooked. Yeah. And she was, I think she already had issues before she came in there. Um, and then this Annie Dukum, basically she came from a family who was like highly affluent. She's in another lab kind of in the same city but on the opposite side and her thing was I'm just going to process all these drugs as the actual drug without testing them because she wanted her bosses to think of her as like a star employee who can process things really quickly but essentially she's just stamping stuff off and she doesn't even know if it's actually the drug or not so people were being convicted without even having the drugs tested. Oh so like I was saying that these people had cocaine or heroin and she never even tested to see if it actually was it could have been talcum powder for all they knew exactly wow yeah that's wild that they had two cases in the same state of like yes such bad conduct in the crime labs oh yeah and it goes into it goes even higher i won't give it away too much but basically the state knew about certain things and there's this one um attorney who does some digging and he just schools them all he's like you knew about this and you covered it up so it's really interesting wow it looked like it was obviously gonna have those upper levels knowing when the um the district attorney like the head of the district attorney was like oh it's just this one case we're gonna contain it like on the very first day that they found out like how can you say that 
Yeah, you can't. Exactly. That's exactly right. It just gets so big. You need to actually do an investigation first. Yeah, but I think it was just like, oh, no, this is going to be bad. Let's just try and squash it, which obviously ultimately ended in worse. Especially when, like, each of those technicians is doing hundreds and hundreds of tests a day. That's right. And do you know what? And, like, not being monitored, like, how do they get away with that? Yeah. Like, you can't have high-profile drugs and no one supervising people doing it like testing it what about the background check she obviously had um history in her past yeah like there should at least be two people in that lab at all times correct yeah there's two eyes on everything that's right very interesting you gotta love netflix for all their their crime stuff oh trust me i'm deep i'm deep into the crime documentaries at the moment although i do know what i've been watching that haven't i've missed the train on parks and rec it's become my new favorite Yep. Yeah, I haven't actually seen any, but I know it's it's like super popular. Oh, you should see it. It's like one of those ones, like, you know, when you just, I just want to chuck something on that's like a 20 minute episode. Good. It's funny. Gives me a bit of joy in my week when everything else is a bit dark with my true crime obsession. So yeah, when you want to just like zone out or have background noise while you cook dinner or something. Yeah, that's exactly my thing. Like me and my husband, we're just been um, chucking those episodes on and binging it a little bit. So we missed the train a bit, but it's good. On the uh, crime doco front, have you seen Murder to Mercy, the Sintoya Brown story? So I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Um, I'd love to get your take on it. I found it pretty dull, really, sadly. Really? Okay. It's like following the story of Sintoya Brown. At, she's a teenager that is convicted of murdering a 43-year-old man who basically picked her up as a prostitute to take her for sex. Right. The documentary follows her case uh, after she's tried as an adult and sentenced to life Mm -hmm. in prison, and then she sort of goes on this decade-long fight to either change the way she's sentenced or to bring it back to a juvenile sentencing. She was 16, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. But in, I think it was... Tennessee where she was arrested um murder they can try juveniles as adults as an adult yeah and yeah so she goes on this decade-long fight to try and get it reduced back to a lesser sentence or get clemency so to get released right and eventually yes she does get that uh clemency gets released but this documentary doesn't sort of doesn't really dive deep into any of her past or any of the other things that they find during the course of retrials and everything it's just straight plodding along each pinpointing the, the key moments of the case in chronological order right but the background could tell you a lot more about the kind of person she was that could yeah exactly like you know affect the outcome yeah i did like that it was just one documentary it wasn't like a series so it was easy to get through but right i also watching it i would have liked to get those bit more detail on certain aspects of her life and aspects of the case why she like was in that position and because i mean she's very young 16 yes selling herself on a street but if he was being violent like i is it self-defense like what is yeah, that, that was her claim. It was self-defense, but like there's right. very little depth into how they show that in this documentary. They kind of just 
this is what she said, this is how they got to here. And it's like, right. um, can we go into that a bit more, please? And they do a tiny little background about her as a, a kid, but that's all. And it's kind of complicated. Is this from, is she endorsing this documentary? Like, is she part of it? As in she gets, has testimony or? No, from what I read, she didn't want to be a part of this one. So that there's a, a, pr- a prior documentary that is about the, the actual case, which I think I might have to go back and watch. Right. Which she was a part of, but then this one came out after she was released and apparently she had nothing to do with this one, didn't want to take part. Okay. Interesting. So that might be why it's kind of surface level. Right. Those are the things that you were kind of want to deep dive into though. Yeah, exactly. Like true crime. You were kind of want the facts from both sides and hear all the information so you can, you know, make a judgment yourself. So Yeah, you sort of want that making a murderer type thing where it just dives into every little aspect and little detail. Gives you the full yeah. thing even unbiased too. Even Tiger King like gives you a heaps more detailed ex- exploration of what's happening and who these people are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How did you find Tiger King as a true crime lover? Oh, do you know what? I was like, all of these, I don't know who's good, who's bad. I don't know where the truth lies. (laughs) It's wild. Like, it was just so intense. I loved it. I think it was a really good story. And it's just crazy. Like, you would never, if you heard that on the street, you wouldn't believe that that's a real thing. Do you know what I mean? But I find it very interesting. Like, Carol Baskin's husband, do you think he was murdered? Yes. You do? See, I I don't know. I just think, like, nobody disappears off the face of the planet in this day and age. No, they do. They do. I I can tell you they do. So I I don't know if this is, like, just totally off field, but my favourite murder that I was talking about earlier, they have um, Jensen and Holes, these two detectives, and they did a whole podcast on Tiger King series from, like, a criminally detective's like point of view yep and he was saying like he was so the husband was funneling money the whole time he was very rich he had a lot of wealth like wealth and he was funneling money into the town and he said if i pull this off it's gonna be the best thing ever so like i have doubt i have doubt that he was murdered i feel like or if he was it wasn't by her yeah he was into some shady stuff. Yeah, see, Tiger King doesn't really show any of that. They, That's right. They obviously make her look really bad in that documentary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think, like, that's the thing with these documentaries. You're getting, like, one documentary filmmaker who's making it, but we're not seeing, you know, they can choose what we're viewing. Do you know what I mean? They can choose who we're interviewing. So I feel like there's there's more to the story. I'm looking forward to that documentary that they're talking about, like a follow-up into her husband's disappearance yeah that'll be good as long as they can get her to take part if they can't it's going to be a bit boring and not work as well yeah yeah but i think interesting characters if it's going to make her look less like an evil person she'll probably want to be a part of that yeah but did i hear something about her um being tricked into like an interview uh i don't know if it was so much tricked i think it was like they told her that the documentary was just going to be about the whole uh, idea of tigers in captivity and stuff. Right. And then they started to speak to her about that stuff and about her husband and everything, and she spoke about it, but then they just cut out big chunks of it. Right. And from what I heard, they sort of edited it, so every time she said 
something about him that ended with her like having that weird nervous laugh that made her look like really crazy. Look a bit crazy. Wow. But then, yeah, that's that's all like a director's decision and editor's decision to make things look a certain way, I guess. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, I feel like we can all go on like this tangent, yep, she's guilty, but we don't really know. Do you find you have to go and do research after listening to the, the My Favourite Murder and watching true crime shows? I mean, it depends on the case. Like, if I find it really interesting, 100%, I like to go back and, like, read stuff and find out some information because with My Favourite Murder, I love them, but they're not detailed. So they're like, if you want to go and find out the true facts of the story, like, go and do your research. But it just depends on the case. And for me, it's not, like, about the actual murder. Do you know what I mean? Like, for me, I I just want to know what happens in someone's mind to make them get to that point. Yep. Do you know what I mean? I find that so fascinating. Before I wanted to become a teacher, I wanted to become a criminal psychologist, but I just don't think I could deal with the darkness of doing that job. Have you watched Mindhunter? Mindhunter, yes. Amazing. Yeah, I love that show. I find that so, yeah, it's so interesting. And the guy that plays Ed Kemper is just incredible. Yep, super creepy. Yes, so good. He's like that thing, it's like friendly, but he's also so menacing, like his size. Oh, my God. I find it so interesting. But they were like up against a lot, those people that were trying to find out like why they do these things and, you know, hunting the mind of a serial killer when detectives just wanted to be on the the case. Yeah, so many people just being like, this is not worth our time. Like, what are you doing? Exactly. But it works. Now they've got criminal profilers everywhere. Yeah, definitely helped solve a few cases since then. Yeah, definitely. On a lighter note, I know there's one other show you watched, you've been watching recently. Yeah, (laughs) it's a guilty pleasure. I can't believe I'm watching it. It's a very different other note. So have you seen Too Hot to Handle? No, but I've heard so much about it. Oh, man. It's like one of those things that you're like, I can't believe I'm watching this, but I was so hooked. (laughs) So basically... It's this group of people, they go to to an island in Mexico. They have no idea why they're there, right? And the first episode, they're on this island drinking. They're like, oh, my God, he's so hot. She's so hot. They're, like, so ready for this. And this little robot thing turns up and says, okay, guys, you're on this show called Too Hot to Handle. And basically, if you have any sexual activity, you will be fined the end prize money. So $100,000 prize money, but if they kiss, self-gratify, do anything more, then their prize money gets deducted. Let me tell you, they weren't happy. (laughs) They were not happy about it. Yeah, because it's all these like hot Instagram models, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're just like from all parts of the world. They're really good looking. Like you can just tell they were just attracted to everybody and they were just ready to have a good time. And basically this robot's like, I want you to build a deeper connection with somebody. So we're going to take that out. So it goes through like all the episodes and it's quite funny because there's this one couple like Francesca and Harry, they basically got a lot of fines, (laughs) a lot of fines. And they thought they got away with it and everyone was so mad because they're like, come on, we've got to do the right thing. And they're like, nah, stuff it. (laughs) It's really quite funny. It's it's all these people that are there purely to to have sex with each other because they're like, oh, they're, we're all hot. Let's just do this. Let's just do that. That's right. Too hot to handle, see? But anyway, they're still together. 
amazingly after the show. Like it's been a year since the show's been filmed and they're still together. So, I mean, I guess that worked out for them. That's surprising. You don't tend to see a lot of reality show relationships no. last. And Francesca, like I saw her, I was like, oh, she's a heartbreaker. Like she's not someone who would be in a relationship. So she proved me wrong. How many episodes are there? Oh, I think there's like eight off the top of my head, but they have like different challenges. Like they they are genuine. I think the show is like genuinely trying to make them realize that like there's more to having a deeper connection with someone than just infatuation and lust. So they do this like really cool challenges where the guys like have to get vulnerable with each other and they write their feelings on this sheet of paper and they're like stabbing it with swords. It sounds really absurd. They had this other one. Uh, where the girls had a mirror and they were looking at their private parts in the mirror, getting connected to their body. What? I know, it's really strange. But, yeah, it's like it's a, it's just kind of funny. It's kind of like Big Brother, but the audience knows, like, what they're doing and, like, they're, like, plotting and scheming. If I can go to this space and the thing, the camera won't see me, but obviously they have microphones on so you can hear what they're doing anyway. It's very obvious. Yeah, there's no getting around it. <laughs> That's right. And, like, sometimes, like, the, the Lana, who's the robot that, like, says stuff, she, like, won't tell you who the person is that broke the rules. So then they're all getting mad at each other and they fight. And... I like that aspect where they just end up sabotaging each other. Each other. That's right. And this is one guy. He's, like, a militant. He's, like, no, we're not going to do anything. And he just gets madder and madder and madder. And it's just it's highly entertaining. Yep. <laughs> That's probably not one I'll be watching with the family around. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much all for this week. Um, trying not to overdo myself with things to watch. Yeah. I did get sent an early screener for the movie The Assistant. Okay. Which I think is going to be something you will enjoy. Okay, um, what's it about? It's about a recent university graduate who gets a job as a personal assistant for uh executive at a film studio okay and it it's really all about the sort of the me too movement he oh cool appears to end up being this like massive sleazeball type character yeah and it just follows it just follows her for basically a day where she starts to discover all these just sinister dirty things that are happening at the office and how she copes with it. Okay. Yeah, I definitely want to check that one out. Yeah, it's not like super, like there's not a lot happening. It's pretty simple, a simple film. Right. But I think just the the themes that it follows make it pretty intense and pretty compelling. Yeah, worthwhile to watch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we'll move on to our top recommendations for the week. I think I can guess which one yours is going to be. My favorite murder. It's my go-to. It's the best. And then for me, uh, The Outsider. I had watched a whole season in a week, so I think that shows how compelling that one is. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Commentary Booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on all the podcast networks because that's really helping us grow. And you can follow me on social media at Media, and you can follow Leah over on Instagram at l.polton, P-O-U-L-T-O-N. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Jamzine, over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. 
The following people supported at the Jam Publisher level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Caitlin Fitzgerald, Courtney Paulson, Tracy Apps. 